1: fans how you doing it's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for I'm gonna say it I'm just gonna say it this is this is the high point of the Knicks film school podcast thus far it has never been better than this I have never been more excited to introduce an episode than this and that is not just because I um feel a deep personal and spiritual connection to the man I'm about to introduce but because man if it gets any better as a nick fan um I can't imagine it cuz this 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 right here it feels like the top of the mountain um my co-host the man who has been with me on this journey it has been a journey and we have arrived at the mountaintop of the four seed because clearly that's the goal in the NBA, right? That is it. to make it. It's the goal. It's the, to make it to the four seed. Um, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, John. Yeah. We could just pack it up. You know, can we just end, stop the end, count and the season actually, just, we can just go home. Um, can they, what, what happens when you fold up a league? Let's end the NBA right now. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's basically,
2: you know, to me also, uh, other leagues, it's kind of like there aren't playoffs. You just get to that point. So if we just change the parameters from, say, like, I don't know, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago to now, yes. and then just use that segment, the Knicks are the best team in the NBA for
1: the entire season and just end it. So I think we should – listen, any and all rule changes to um to make this feeling last for as long as possible because I, I, I'm going to – I have a few words that I want to say about this team, but I, I will just – I'll turn it to you first. Do you have you felt like this before as a Knicks fan? Because I I I have not. And I think that's that I want to preface that by saying that maybe a reflection of the fact that I haven't always been pouring hours upon hours into producing content about this team. So I'm not saying that this is the best it has ever been in my 30 close to 30 years of being a Knicks fan, but but I have never felt this way about this team. Where where are you at? So last week I opened up our pod by saying that.
2: I was on cloud nine and clearly I was, that was a week premature because (laughs) right now I am on literally cloud nine as a result. Um, It is both uh, frightening and wonderful. How much of my happiness is tied to a basketball team that wouldn't know if I died tomorrow or not. It's just, there's it's, it's so exciting to, to witness all of this because you know, with the mellow era, there were moments, there were absolutely moments, but there was a sort of it didn't feel like there was it was building to something, right? Yeah. It felt like, okay, this is the roster we've got and it's really good. Hopefully it can go far in the playoffs. And we know about the heat and how the Knicks were three and one in that 2012-13 season and um, you know, against Indiana, all these things. But for putting the playoffs aside for just a moment, the expectation was this is going to be a team that can do well. And this year, considering how we were bracing for you know top five top 10 pick something in that range.
1: We had a conversation about there's no, there was literally nothing they could do in free agency yes. that would cause them to be anything other than a bottom five team. We had that conversation on this podcast. Yeah, We were like, Fred Van Fleet doesn't matter. They're still going to be one of the five worst teams. Right. And
2: now we're rolling with a team that, you know, is, is doing, it's overachieving to such a degree. I mean, I was looking through some stats because why not? Right. So, since acquiring Derrick Rose, the Knicks have the 17th best offense, according to Cleaning the Glass, which takes out garbage time, which mm-hmm. is still a step up from what they were beforehand. Uh, but the 24th, Knicks have the,
1: 25th, like that, yeah.
2: Yep, yeah, exactly. But the Knicks have the number one defense in that span. Number one overall, which, I mean, with Rose on the court, they are a plus 10.4 in differential of points per 100. That's the 94th
1: percentile. Can I say something real quick about that? Because I did a newsletter last week, not to get off topic, but yes, like Rose Rose is not a good defensive player. We could no. comfortably say that. But the man knows exactly, like he's been, this is his third go around with this coach. <laughs> he knows what you need to do right. to function in this defense. And I don't think we, we give nearly enough credit to that. I just wanted to say that real quick.
2: Exactly. He knows the spots to be in. He knows the system. He can adapt well. That's yes. He's not a good defender necessarily, but he can do things enough to be passable. Yeah. And the players around him have achieved so well that that it all gels together. Um, and the Knicks are not shooting well at the rim. They're 28th in shooting at the rim since getting Rose. And they're hitting a ton of non-corner threes and threes in general. But what really also stood out to me was if you have Randall on the court, the Knicks play like a 49-win team uh, for an 82-game stretch. But with Randall off, the Knicks are playing like a 39-win team. And the reason that stands out to me is because the fact that this team without Randall would play at a 39 win pace shows how incredible the job they are all doing. Uh, If you just took the Rose segment in terms of how they've played, they'd be a 53 win team for an 82 game season. Uh, just, and all of this again, like I, I, I know we rag on him, but having a point guard like Alfred Payton in the lineup and being able to (laughs) overcome his shortcomings and, and still look like a 53 win team for what would be an 82 game stretch, that to me is just miraculous. So, so I, yeah. I don't know. How, I don't know how, I don't think I felt this way ever in terms of a team where expectations were all the way down here and they're performing all the way up here. Um,
1: you, you started off because this is, this because you're Brock Gala, right? Your mind works a certain way. It's always it's about just, team. It's, it's, the it's, about, it's about the team building, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the World Wide West. I go on feel. Just take your advanced stats, salary cap. What is that? I don't even know what it is. You got to take your um, shirt off, though. <laughs> if we're on that's, camera, you've got to start
0: showing
2: your bare chest. That's where this is leading to that's, me yes. me
1: getting changed in the Zoom meeting. Um, this is
2: actually your OnlyFans now. This it is. It is it's all connected. You couldn't
1: even, of this episode, of all episodes, you of wait, episodes. You, you go off the rails in the first 10 minutes. This you know is what's why? Happening. Because
2: as the Knicks grow, so do we. And we've got to let the audience know that this is what they're <laughs> in for. They're in for Jonathan Macri I'm only Jonathan fans, Macri only fan Collaboration with KFS. <clears throat> but continue, please.
1: As I try to recompose myself. Um, I'm Wes, because I go on feel. You, you talk about the logical reasons why this is the best you've ever felt as a Knicks fan. For me, I think that's how this whole season has started out, and now I'm so at some point in the last several days, it has morphed into one of those like, I mean, I don't know what else like it, a Linsanity moment, um, or a little little before your time, uh, a '99 playoffs run um, where it just it feels like. It. I mean, I use the word less. It feels like magic. Um, it, it, there is something in the air. There is like it's a sense of like destiny. Like these are the reason. These are the times why we root for sports. You know why we root for teams. Why we watch sports. Um, I, I was thinking about this, and I, I promise I won't go too far off the rails. But like, I did my first ever. I mean, it, it wasn't a live stream I recorded because I didn't know how to go like live on the internet and have it be on Twitter. So I, I talked on my phone for two minutes and 20 seconds and then uh, sent it out after a game. The first time I ever did one of those was after um, it was the first game after the all-star break in the 2017, 18 season. They had beaten the magic um, 120 to 113 um, starring that night was uh, Tim Hardaway jr. Um, Trey Burke had 26 off the bench. It was a Lance Thomas sighting. Kyle Quinn had a nice game. Michael Beasley, Emmanuel Moutier, big eight points from from Manny. Um, Cantor, of course, had a had a double double. Like, and I went and I was like so pumped up to talk about that game and that team and being like, okay, it's all right. Porzingis went down. We're th- this. It's going to be fine. We got things are heading in the right direction. Fast forward. You know, to a year, you know, and then it's the seventeen win year, and that's when really this this podcast podcast started in earnest. And we would you you would join me in the beginning for post games, right? And we would get on there and we would talk about twenty five point losses of like okay, but you know what? There was that three minute stretch there (laughs) in the third quarter. I know they were down by forty, but like Frank had a really nice, and we this is how we would subsist. This is how we would subsist. Um, and then the summer happened in 2019, where we thought, oh, my God, we're the ultimate losers. Um, and then last season happened. And last season was. I, how did we I'm, I'm thinking back, like I'm, I'm actually going to ask you, this. how did we do? We were positive. We didn't get on here and bitch and moan and complain every every day time we recorded a show we were like okay there's still good stuff and looking back like oh my god that was not a fun time that was not a fun season and and now to think back on that and now we're to be expected to continue to podcast and write and talk about this team i like i'm genuinely intimidated like i haven't been sleeping well the last few nights because i'm like oh my god this we have to now write about a good basketball team and talk about a good basketball team how does one do this i don't know so I just I needed to get that out because it's it's been um it's been quite a week it's been quite a week it's been quite a few weeks and uh I'm not complaining because I've waited for this I feel like we've all waited for this our whole lives, but man um it's been a good time it's been a good time sure has um all right let's talk about the week that was they won uh what do you know all of their games for yet another week um so beat the hornets um beat the Hawks. And then of course on Saturday, uh, beat the Raptors for anybody living under a rock. This is uh, nine straight wins for the Knicks. They play again on Monday where they play the Phoenix suns. Um, there has over the last several uh, days, uh, I think it probably started last Monday and it continued through the week. And I'm sure it's going to continue into this week. A lot of national media love now for this team. Um, people who were not, um, getting on the internet and talking about Emmanuel Moutier for a, a team that lost five of its last or won five of its last 17 games. Um, people are excited about it. How, how do, I kind of said uh, during the locker room on Saturday that I was like, I don't know. I've am I'm, I'm if I, I feel, I know it's good for the brand and it's good for the team, but personally, when I see everybody like, you know, trying to jump on the sh- the bandwagon, I'm like, eh, not loving it. How, how do you feel about all the love we're getting? Yeah, I go back and forth
2: on it. I think I said something maybe on the pot on the uh, post game for the Hornets, where it's just like the idea of the more the merrier, but it's also there is a gatekeeping mentality of okay, well, for the better part of twenty years, people were just absolutely shitting on this team right and left, um, with no regard for human life from the Knicks standpoint, or at least our fans' standpoint, um, just using us as the proverbial punching bag, dumping ground for what this team is. And so there's this kind of idea in my mind of why should we let a, you know uh, um, some organization like ESPN when on draft night they take the Joker and paint it in Nick's color, paint him in Nick's colors, and and with the tears streaking down his face, like why is it we should let these entities that have hurt us come back and be like, hey, look at the job you guys are doing? When the whole idea should maybe be like, fuck you, we were trying to just live our lives, and you guys just had to get your kicks off and, and get your jokes off. So I, I do go back and forth. I think the I get a sense of real joy when I see like random haters here and there tweeting about something and there's an army of Knicks fans tweeting <laughs> and just slandering this person to death. And it feels like some sort of conquest at each time like in a the receipts game. are
1: always there. The receipts are always there every time every
2: time. Oh, yeah. So and you know, the goalposts keep mo- moving for this team, apparently yeah. for people that hate the Knicks. So no. I've also gone to the NBA subreddit to see what's going on. And all of the celebratory Knicks posts are just Knicks fans celebrating. It's not really other people being like, Oh, hey, wow, you guys are doing a great job. We were totally wrong about you. It's just Knicks fans being like the league isn't ready for us. And they are they are. The league is not ready for us. But I don't know. Yeah, I long story short, I go back and forth on it. But I guess I guess I'm I don't know. The fact that the Knicks are winning, I'm kind of just like, you know what? we're, we're the ones who are celebrating this. So like, we're just going to be happy about it and you can do you, but the wins are the most important part.
1: I, you know, then I I think the national media stuff bothers me less than people who purport to be fans or have been fans of this team at one time and then got into content creation and basically just jump ship because they're like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I'm gonna go pay attention to other stuff that doesn't cause me pain, but at the same time, like that's where that's what I, it just hit me. That's what bugs me. Like you, you don't get to enjoy this now. You left, you went away. Like we've we've been through the muck, <laughs> putting it politely. So and, and look again, it's it is what it is. It's fine. I'm not I'm not begrudging anybody their their choices, but um. I just that's the part that that irks me a little bit. Um, One thing that we were it was nice to hear was Julius Randall go on the Adrian uh, Wojnarowski podcast uh, this week because um, it's good for him. And if it's good for him, that's great for for everything, because we love Julius Randall here because he is now um, a legitimate. Well, actually, I want to ask you about this. I'm going to put this on the newsletter for, for Monday, and I'm not sure. What is your definition of an MVP candidate? I,
2: I hate the MVP award because I think it should be split up into two things. I think it should be the best player nice. in the NBA and the player who is most valuable to their team. Okay. And, you know, I think that at this point, Randall, especially if the Knicks finish with a top four seed, top four record, that they he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation Of MVP. Okay, hold
1: on. I gotta stop you. That's what I'm. Okay, because we hear that phrase over and over again. He deserves to be in the conversation. What does that mean? Does that mean like when you're because there are no more than two or three players every year who can actually win the MVP coming down the home stretch. And I like Randall's not going to win the the MVP. He's not in that sense. He is not an actual candidate. He is not going to win the award. But I agree with you, he should be in the conversation. And I'm just like, what does that mean? And I don't I there is no answer to it. I just um, you know, punted To me here.
2: to me what it means is kind of um you get five votes, correct? In the MVP yes. Five
1: five man ballot, yes. Right.
2: So if you are being considered for even like a fifth place vote, that's if in you the if you are on at the end of the year, if you are listed as someone who received an MVP vote and it's not just some ridiculous thing like, oh yeah, here, this player just totally wasn't deserving, but we'll give it to him anyway. You know, that to me is, is what I mean by in the conversation where he's not a contender to win the award. I think Jokic should win it hands down. Yep. But the fact is that because of what Randall's been doing, I think he's deserving of someone saying like, hey, Randall's doing like, he's doing this well. He deserves to finish mm. fifth, fourth. Even if it's one or two votes, that to me gets you into the conversation and it all, you know, it all builds on itself because now if we're talking about Julius Randle who received an MVP vote, even one vote. That is that's a lot more than a whole lot of the NBA because I think <laughs> it really only happens for maybe 10 to 15 guys in total. Um depending on on how it's that there are years
1: where it's as little I think there have been years where it is as little as 9, maybe 10, and then there are some years where it gets up to like 13 guys. Right. So it's in it's in that vicinity, but you you could tell there's like Going, to, and I know you've done this as much as I have because we're both insane people. When you go through the MVP voting year after year, you could see there's like usually like a, a solid, like a top six, top seven of guys that really get like appear on a, go- a goodly number of ballots. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's where Randall has nudged himself into for this season. Not saying he's in the top six or seven or eight players in the league when healthy and everything is good, but that's not the year we're living in, is it? Um, But at the same time, who's to say he can't get there? Which is the other side of this coin,
2: right? And I know I mentioned this last year, but again, I think it's since 1990. Every single year, the NBA champion has had at least one player finish in the top eight. Every single time, except for twice, both times featuring Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs, when they won, when he was the finals MVP. And the Raptors, when he sat out a bunch of games because of, you know, rest and injury maintenance and whatever you want to call it. So finishing with that type of record, that's why to me, it's so important. It's not just some arbitrary number. It's showing that you can have a legitimate um, elite season because to me, Randall is not currently an elite player, but he's having what I can, I think you can safely say is pretty close to an elite season, especially when you consider where he was, he's got to maintain that. I would hope he even builds on that as well. But the point being that if you cobble enough of these seasons together, then you are talking about a completely different player. Because I, uh, you know, I saw some, some random sort of uh, Twitter poll that was about where do you see Julius Randle? And I don't think that's the best way of analyzing it because a ton of Knicks fans could always hop into it and just say he's a top 15 player if they really want to. Um, yeah. but, but the idea of if he plays like this next year, where are we slotting him in? Because if he's playing like this, it seems like it's a legitimate, consistent season or at least a trajectory. And if that's the case, how much better can he get because he's only now just entering his prime. So then if we're talking about someone who is in the conversation, you know, quote unquote for MVP this year and, and doing what like basically performing at this level or higher next year, then we are starting to talk about a player who could be top 15 knocking on the door of top 10 room to grow. I mean, the sky can be the limit in so many ways and putting that case together is then how you can maybe enter, say, 2022, say, look what we've got. We've got Julius Randle. We've got RJ Barrett. We've got all you yeah. know, all of this. And, and you know, we'll get to that eventually, but all the point all that's with on Julius table. is yeah. right, it all matters. Everything that we see right now, and a big reason why he went on the Woosh pod, I'm certain, is because it is a media-based award for all NBA. Mm-hmm. The media votes him in. And so by being open, he did this for the All-Star Game as well by being open to, uh, that was for players when they wanted to vote him in, mm-hmm. and the media too. Showing that you are willing to help scratch someone's back by giving them content, they will return the favor. And this is why Randall is going out of his way to be on the Woj Pod, because he knows there's a big audience. He wants those votes, and I don't blame him. I would do the same exact thing of marketing yourself. But I think it's just something important to remember because this narrative can push you in the way you want it to go if you go into it. You know, it's like, it's like a current. Don't go against the current. Go with
1: it. (laughs) I love it. Um, Also, kudos to um, the Knicks and the people running the Knicks for um, um, perhaps facilitating um, this media tour um, because Julius Randle came here and he was a guy who got essentially a one year, $9 million contract from the Pelicans. And in a summer where like everybody was spending money, he got two guaranteed years from the Knicks. That was the most that he could get. And you've talked about this more than anybody, as far as I'm, I'm, I know Um, the notion that players can feel like they could come to this organization and increase their brand um, is a massive one. And the Woj pod stuff and all that goes with that, that all goes into that. Um, So, Yes. A hundred percent. I do before we, so the reason I brought up the Roche Power was to talk specifically about um, a question that was raised on Saturday's locker room. But last thing before we get there, I, I, I will say what he is doing and the, the notion that this can continue, because if, if he continues at this level, he's a, he's a top seven or eight player in the league. Like I, I don't, I don't even think that's controversial. If he's, if he shoots it at this level and the sh- shots that he's taking continue at this level of efficiency and he's facilitating it. Like he's a, that's he's top, I don't know, seven, eight, whatever player and defending at a high level and, and defending at a high level. Like the four names that I, I was going through the last 30 years, which I won't go past because it's all I've been watching. Like Isaiah Thomas jumped into the top. He was like the, what was he the sixth best player in the league that one year? Now I'm talking about Isaiah Thomas Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, um, but he was a tiny guard and that felt like lightning in a bottle at the time. It didn't feel sustainable. So, and he was the last pick in the draft. Randall always had this pedigree. Um, I thought of Oladipo, who I think may be the best comp, but of course it fell off the next season and he got injured. Um, and then the other two, which I feel like Randall is almost a combination of these guys. Steve Nash and Chauncey Billups, if this continues, because Nash obviously was more the regular season and he won the back-to-back MVPs, which was, you know, insane. And, but that was more like a mix of a play style and a player and a coach. And it he didn't transform his game. He just found the coach that was like, "Oh yeah, give me that guy. I'll do the best with him. And then there's Billups who had some really high MVP finishes, by the <laughs> way, made some all NBA, all NBA second teams. He was good. Um, but he really turns it on in the playoffs. And it was like, so I don't know. That's, that's the, the area I'm in. Um, the question, of course, raises on the watch pods. And, and uh, I want to give credit. Joshua Richards brought this up on the locker room. So Randall, for anybody who hasn't heard it, told a story about he was having a rough night um, last season. wasn't Things were not going well. And he, he uh, called his agent, Aaron Mintz, um, went to dinner. And who showed up before they were running the Knicks? Leon Rose, World Wide West. And um, while he was still coaching at Kentucky, it would seem, uh, Kenny Payne. And they all had dinner together. And also there, by the way, was Alfred Payton, notable. Um, And they basically was like a pick me up dinner. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Rose was hired uh, to run the team and he hired Wes. And um, they went through the summer. Um, Ostensibly, all of them knew about the work that Julius Randle was putting in the summer. Um, Training camp then happens. This was not part of the story. I'm adding this as context. Training camp happens. He meets Thibodeau. We've heard talk. Thibodeau talk this week about how he could tell as soon as training camp started. As soon as training camp started, he's like, I knew this guy was a worker. I knew I could get behind him. Match made in heaven. Let's go. Okay, great. After that, after that initial, sorry, maybe not training camp, The fr- like the, the bubble camp that they had, whatever. After that, there's the draft. And then they pick, with the eighth pick in the draft, Obi Toppin, who is a power forward. Joshua asked, like, and I I really couldn't give him a good answer, so I'll, I'll turn it to you. Like, how does that, how do you make heads of tails of that? If you have this team of people who is clearly close to Randall and who clearly believed in Randall running the team, why would they still have picked Toppin eighth? And there's a lot of answers. I don't, I don't know that I have thought of a particularly good one. So I'll, I'll turn it to you. What, do you. what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I've thought the idea of the Knicks just didn't see Randall as a future piece. So here's Obi Toppin and we can develop him and always shop Randall. But now I'm also wondering what if the Knicks basically said, this is a weird draft year. There's a lot we don't know. We can't bring in a lot of people. We know that we've got the Naismith um, winner of collegiate basketball. From this previous season in Obi Toppin. Runaway like, winner. You net like. Right. Clearly. Just incredible season. We know that Rick Brunson, Leon's very close friend, his first client, is working with Obi. We know that Sam Rose, Leon's son, is managing or representing him. All of these things, I think all of it plays in. But I think the other point is that the Knicks could have said, we also need depth. We want guys who are gym rats because that's what we keep hearing, right? Yep. We, and we keep seeing. These players were after games, they're still shooting. They're still trying to elevate their games. On off days, they're wondering, should we go into the practice facility or not? And some didn't show up. What like, blackout? There's no <laughs>
1: blackout days here.
2: No, it's a trap. Um, <laughs> it's Tibbs a trap. was testing them. So, you know, considering all these things, and that's obviously a huge part, the, the mental capacity, the mental aspects we can evaluate. And I think the Knicks probably said, this is a guy who is clearly talented, who we think has the dedication and the poise to grow into a good piece. If that happens and we can keep Randall, then we've got a great trade piece on a rookie contract. Um, If he develops into something more and we keep him, then we've got 48 minutes of great basketball at the four. You know, the idea then of if we can have Mitch and Noel, we've got 48 minutes of great basketball at the five. So, you know, really trying to get deeper at these positions and still having your money for um, someone who can be a point guard or maybe fill in at the two, all those things. So yes, I, I think that obviously it would make more sense to, you know, if you're going to trade up, obviously the Cavs wanted a Coro, but that type of thing where if you wanted that type of player, or if you wanted to go in on LaMelo ball to really try to answer that question of who are we going to get to run our offense?
1: Which they could have done that. We don't know what the cost of course. really was. We don't. Right.
2: But so, so this idea of, you know, Randall's out the door. So that's why you're bringing Obi in. In hindsight, maybe that was incorrect one by us to, to think about. Maybe we should have been thinking more about just like what, how deep can this team get? How much talent can the team add? If they see Obi Toppin as the best player available right now and within the next few years or even longer than that, then that is a wise long-term play. And when you look at the eighth pick in the draft, I know a lot of people want to think like, oh, well, you've got to get a star there.
1: You got to get, it has to hit now. It has right. to make sense right now. Right. Yes. But yes. when
2: you look at that pick, especially, but also that range, the higher outcome is a rotation player. It really is. It's not necessarily um, a, a star. It's not necessarily even a starter. Um, in,
1: so- in, sorry, in this draft specifically, that is what we were told right. by every draft expert who knows a lot more than what they're talking about than, than we do, that after those first three, those first three had star potential, high bust potential, but star potential. After those three, you were just get yourself a guy who could give you 20 quality minutes a night. That's what we were told. Yes. Yes. And just going back in history, if you look at
2: after picks one through five, there's a drop off for six to 10. And there's a drop off after that too. It's not to say, of course, that you can't find great talent after five. Obviously you can. It's just, it's slimmer. The odds are really diminished after that, unless we're talking about an absolutely loaded draft class. And uh, you know, that was not one at least and how it was built. So I think just to kind of, wrap this up with a pretty little bow on top the idea of Obi being there it could just benefit everyone where he is talented you can maybe make him a little bit more versatile if you want to try to play him at the five eventually um being able to figure something out where it works together and he's shown that he's willing to learn um he's he's certainly performing better i know we'll talk about him a little bit later but yep. just that mindset of best player available they took him and we'll go from there
1: yeah I, I think you nailed it it's it's probably a little bit of column a a little bit of column b a little bit of column c a little bit of column d where this was a you know a, a decision based on a number of factors as opposed to like that's you know we we all have have had jobs where you, your your decision making process is not nearly as neat or linear as people who don't do your job every day think that it it often is. So I I do not think this was them sitting in a room like, okay, let's decide right now. Is Julius Randle going to turn into an all NBA player or is he not? Because if he's not, then we have to draft this kid. If he is, then we that's not how this went. So um, I think it's a it's an interesting conversation point. I'm happy we talked about it. But I think realistically, like like you said, they saw a kid who was high floor um, and knew would fit into what I think was what they felt was the most important part of what they needed to do with this team, which is again, repeating ourselves. We said this every week, the culture, right? The culture, the culture, the culture got to get the culture, right? Everything flows from the culture. They knew that part with him would fit. And, you know, and now we're, you know, who's to say that if they had traded up for like, this may sound insane, but like, who's to say if they had traded up for Lamelo ball who comes with a lot of fanfare, a lot of like, Yes, would it be nice to have LaMelo Ball on this team? But, like, again, this gets back to the thing I said at the beginning. There's a magic about it. There's something in the water where I I am not putting it past anyone in, in terms of, like, how much thought went into constructing just such a roster where guys blended a certain way. So, um we love you, Obi Toppin. That's that's the moral of the story. Okay. Um, do we, Can I quickly run something by you before we please. move on to the next topic? Yeah. So as I was
2: listening to the Woosh pod and I heard Randall saying about the time they had dinner and uh, Kenny Payne was there, it got me thinking, when was this? You know, and, and he helped uh, basically mm. try. He pinpointed it, right? He said that Kentucky was in town. So I looked at the schedule and sure enough, that was when Kentucky played Michigan State on, I want to say November 5th. And Tyrese Maxey went off. It was you know, all exciting. But I was curious, like, okay, well, when would they have had dinner? When would this have really been that low point? And I think I pinpointed it to on November 3rd when the Knicks were just destroyed at home by the Kings. Randall had a terrible game. Um, the Knicks moved oh to 1-6. Yeah, the but, final yeah. score was one thirteen ninety two. 13 92 They had their Fox fucking
1: ass handed to them that night. Yes,
2: it was a, it was a really rough game. Um, I <laughs> I know you. We all remember, sure. But so so things clearly weren't going well, and they had this dinner, and so my theory is this: Leon Rose talked to James Dolan because we know that CAA and Dolan have had a relationship for years. He told him about what's going on, how his stars feeling, how Alfred Payton is feeling, just maybe the the kind of collective ideas of where the team is at. And he relayed that to Dolan. And Dolan was like, fine, you fucking do whoa, it. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So this was, the game was the November 3rd, let's say a dinner yeah. after or whatever. whatever. Yes. November 10th is when that press conference. The press conference. Right? And wow. so then, yes, the Knicks keep losing. And then I'm thinking like, what if mm-hmm. Dolan knowing all this is like, well, Leon, you clearly have a relationship with the guys you've been around CAA. Would yeah. you want to do this? And Leon was like, you know what? Let's do. Or Leon was scheming to get this role, and it and it worked out. Is that is that so
1: crazy to think about? No, it's that's actually the least crazy thing you've ever said on this podcast. Um, Because, man, okay, I don't want to. I want to give James Dolan too much credit, (laughs) but trotting those poor souls out there, he had to know. That was not that was not gonna help things. That was not a smart move. It was not like nothing good was going to come of that. And it would make a little bit more sense if he had spoken a rose and already had it in his mind like fuck all these people. I I don't even give a shit anymore. And then when they lost the game that they lost to, it was the Cavs, right? Mm-hmm. Um like, <laughs> you know what? Get out there. <laughs> get out there or Fizdale,
2: it's Fizdale's ass. Um, man. And then they pushed Fizdale in front of the bus to try to save themselves, get a new yeah. coach. Things progressed we well, but it was too late. You it was already
1: okay. signed, sealed, and delivered. Things got-
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Things went from we're not the complete and utter like <laughs> bottom of the league anymore to we, we, like whatever is above that. Okay. Wow. This, I think this might be your hot. You saved your best for when the Knicks are at their best. I, that's a lot I respect, but you know, we just elevate each other's play. What can I say? Man, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm like in awe of that. You figured that out. That's really good. Okay. Um, Good. Thank you. Thank yes. You. Nice clap. Okay. Let's move. We've will to get to it and we'll try to do this quickly. So, uh, playoff race. Uh, we should talk, uh, briefly. Um, the Knicks only play two games before we talk again. Two. How about that? They play, uh, Phoenix. Um, and they, this is the end of their homestand and then they go out west for six games. Uh, they play Phoenix and they play Chicago. Um, by the way, by the way, I thought it was, um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, do you know that the, I went at, cause again, I have many issues. I stayed up as I was falling asleep or going to bed last night. I stayed up and I looked through um, all 70, whatever Nick seasons to see how many winning streaks that and I'm sure there's a way to search for this, but I'm, I was just, I wanted to look through every season. Um, and I went to look through all of their longest winning streaks. Do you know that twice in the last, I think what are they? twice in the last 20 some 20 something years or 30 years they have had nine game winning streaks ended by the suns no way yeah oh my god exactly nine game winning streaks ended by the suns it's happened twice um so store that away and if 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 they do lose to the suns everybody could blame me um second (laughs) (laughs) dread it run from it (laughs) yes there you go um second thing uh, do you know who, uh, so the, the most recent longest winning streak, uh, that the Knicks had, you've probably looked this up, but it was, uh, 13 straight, um, at the end of the 2012, 13 season. Uh, do you know who ended that streak?
2: Well, I'm going to say it's not the suns.
1: No, it was, that was not one of the Suns ones. Right. Um, was it the bulls? It was the bulls. Yeah. And uh, Tom Thibodeau coaching one Nate Robinson to quite the game off the bench. Um, yeah. So um, I also thought that was interesting with the bulls coming up this week. Obviously Tibbs' former team. Um, we hope they win both of those games. Um, that said, I, the only thing I want to ask you here, how, because I could see a narrative developing like, okay, the Knicks have won nine in a row, but this is the first like re, quote unquote, real team they've played. Um, and, if you look through the season and you look at the teams with the top net ratings in the league, they have a victory over Utah when Austin rivers went crazy and they have a victory over a fully healthy bucks team. That was the, what was it, the third game of the season where they hit a million threes and the bucks couldn't hit anything. I don't think they'd beat another one of those like upper echelon teams other than those two games. Unless I'm, am I forgetting anything? I don't know. Uh, the Lakers, but that injured. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, do you think that that, that is a valid, I haven't heard anybody say it yet, but I imagine we might hear it before tomorrow's game. Um, do you think that's a valid narrative? Like this is a huge game because like they haven't beat one of these teams yet. I have actually seen that narrative. Oh, you have? Okay. I haven't. Yes.
2: Um, but again, the Knicks have also played four playoff teams and one they have, I mean, you know, no one's talking about the wizards because no one gives a shit about the wizards, but the wizards have won seven in a row. Their first win was against Utah in Utah. Very impressive. Since then, all the teams that they have played, to my knowledge, they're all yeah are all out of the playoff picture.
1: That's correct. They, I think they play today, if I recall. They do. I think they, they, play they play the Cavs play. today. So, oh, is it the Cavs? Okay. Yes.
2: So there's, you know, win number eight would be against another non playoff team. And, you, you know, they don't control the schedule. They play who's on the docket and they go from there. But I do think that with the Knicks and the Suns, even if the Knicks win against the Suns, there could still be this idea of, well, the Suns played the Nets and so they're tired. And, you know, if, if the Knicks played a fresh Suns team, then it'd be different. And again, it's moving goalposts. But I think that there's nothing wrong with having your streak be snapped by the second best team in the NBA. Uh, that to me would be understandable. I don't think that the Knicks have anything to prove by, uh, you know, I, I, I'll put it this way. If the Knicks lose, it's not a big deal. If they win, it's just, um, I guess I'll say it, another notch in the bedpost so to speak. Um, it's, it's so, so to speak,
1: it's just, yeah, it is actually
2: the, the actually the notch actually does apply. Yeah. It's a notch. Um, no belts, just the bedpost. So, you know, I, I think it's important for the Knicks to win that game, but if they lose, it's just, this was a great streak productive. Clearly the Knicks are, are in the playoff picture more to the point where they were supposed to. And there's even a chance by the next, by the time we speak next, where the Knicks have clinched a at least playing spot. I think yeah, the magic number wow. might be three.
1: That so, sounds right. Yeah.
2: yeah. And if they beat the Bulls, then that would, that would basically knock off two of them. So it's, it's going to be a fascinating week and it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen.
1: Um, but, yeah. The, the only other opinion I wanted to get of yours is I have found myself, like I put out a Twitter poll and it was, I think close to 50, 50 the other day before the Hawks, heat game about who people were rooting for. And I was surprised it was 50-50 because for me, the team that I'm by far the most uh, worried about in terms of uh, taking um, either like one our, 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 it is ours. Our top six seed is the heat. Um, do you, are you like rooting against any, are you rooting against Boston? Or are you like, like where, where are you? Do you have any particular rooting interests um, at, at this point?
2: I'm rooting against Atlanta from a financial interest. I Look at you sly I did bet dog. Hawks under 36 and a half for the year. Uh Knicks Best hit Hornets great bet, by the way. Hit. Thank you. At least I thought so, but clearly It was, Nate it was my had,
1: sa- it was my safest Eastern Conference over under bet on the, in my opinion on the board. I thought it was yeah, I
2: just thought all the offense, none of the defense or you know like that would work out, but they've um They've done a great job and Damn. they'll probably just uh, wind up screwing me over, which whatever, that's okay. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm more, if they're going to surpass that bet, which I expect them to do, I would like to play Atlanta because I think it'd just be a really fun series to begin it with. It would be fun. I, I also think that this whole idea of the Knicks beating the Hawks, you know, if Trey Young were still playing, the game would have been over like, all of what Atlanta does is their entire existence is based on what ifs so I really don't give a crap about what Atlanta fans have to think about if Trey Young were in the game yeah, because we also know sure. that the Knicks beat the Hawks twice this year already without Trey Young uh, yeah. they have sound I think since he's been drafted they've been like seven and two against the Hawks
1: well with Trey young you mean right with, with
2: Trey Young, young. Yeah. um so you know whatever good for you Atlanta but I-, I would love to play them because I think it would just be a very fun series and that both have similar storylines. And, um, it would just, you know, I also think that from a victory standpoint, I think the Hawks scare me the least in that Trae Young has never played in playoff basketball and a lot of mm-hmm. other Knicks haven't either, but in terms of how different regular season versus the playoffs can be kind of just attacking the point guard and making Trey young work harder. I think that would, you know, kind of trouble him more than say we're facing Jason Tatum for the first time in playoff, you know, his career from the playoffs, but he and certainly he, has he, an experience. He has had a lot of experience. Jimmy Butler, who has plenty of experience. And, oh, yeah, the Heat just went to the finals, even if the bubble was maybe in, uh, an anomaly. So I would like to play the Hawks. That would that would just be fun in general, but I think that they would certainly have a leg up in that competition. I,
1: I, ju- I mean, at this point, I just want to get a top six seed because yes. – I I'm yeah, that's all I want. So that's why I'm I'm rooting um against the heat because I, I I still believe in the heat as far as them being able to put it together. Uh maybe famous last words. Um okay. Moving right along, uh let's do let's do a quick uh, oh and the magic number is indeed three. Thank you, Andrew Claudio. Uh progress report. Um let's oh wait, I drank all my beer. Well, actually, no, there's a little I'm pouring one out. If you can't see this, I'm pouring one out for Miles Powell. And Jared Harper, um, we, we hardly knew you. Um, so the Knicks made some moves this week, um, which J- Jeremy, again, because he's an insane person like me, was texting me about what time last I don't even know um, to clarify. So the, so Miles, uh, let's get the order right. Um, Jared Harper was converted to a full 10-day contract. They had one slot left. Um, he was then immediately, they already waived him, right? Harper? Yeah. No Harper's still on the team. He's so Harper is now he occupies the the last. Oh yeah, because it's a so, ten day. So
2: Henson went out. Harper H- came H- in. H-
1: yes, Harper was took a Henson's slot, slot that was open, at, which they then gave to Miles Powell, and then Miles Powell was immediately waived. Right. Um. So it was basically a way to um make some money for for um. Harper gets paid more now on an NBA deal. It's only a ten day, but it's something. And then um, Jared Harper makes, or sorry, Miles Powell makes more than he was making under. Um, well, actually, no, he signed the two two way with the Bucks, so right. this is his second two way contract. But it does give him more money. I thought he, I had read somewhere that he was supposed to,
2: but then didn't wind oh, up. Oh, and signing didn't. It.
1: Oh, okay. okay. Um, sorry. if that's the
2: case, so I'm pretty Either way, sure the about guy this.
1: gets paid.
2: He does, but yeah. you know because. The way that it used to work with the two-way is you get paid for the amount of time you spend on the team. Yes. But I think that due to COVID, they have changed that in the bubble. They did. So now if you sign, it's not like you just, it's basically you just sign, you get a paycheck the entire year. Yes. To my knowledge. So that would mean that the Knicks are, and this isn't out of cap space. I just want to remind people, this is completely different, a a separate pool of money, but they're basically giving Miles Powell uh, $445,000 just to sign and go.
1: Just as a solid. That's literally what they did here. Um, And that's where the
2: confusion with uh, Semi Shitu was
1: in terms of. So I still, I don't know how I got asking about this, how he, how he was, because there's no other way for them to sign. Is it Shitu, right? I Um, believe so. He was someone clarified though. He He did clarify, but he still sounded uncertain about it, whether it was a 10 day or a two way, but there's no other open roster spot. So it has to be a two way, which again, that seems to be the reporting at this point. He's someone that I don't know a lot about him. I'll be honest. Someone who spent a lot of the year in Westchester. Again, it seems like it's just doing a solid for a guy who the organization likes. Um, I would not expect um, Harper or. Maybe, well, maybe Powell. We'll see. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't expect Harper or, or Shitu or anything to be in, in their plans uh, moving forward. Um, anything else we need to say on any of that that you want? I'm, I'm sure you. there's something I've forgotten cap-wise or no.
2: I'm just – well, so the Knicks are still under the salary floor. Yes, they are. Uh, they did – since we last spoke as well, they signed Norvell Pell. To, sorry, a, I forgot. Uh, yeah. To a contract. And the way it works is that it's um, – it's 500 grand or so this year. So that's great for him. And then next year it is a team option and the final year is non guaranteed. So uh, this, it's, is seven, this, it, it's uh 1 million, 1. 1.7 million next year. And then which the is following the minimum. year right, is 1.8.
1: And I think next year is a small partial guarantee. Yes. Is, is, yes. Okay. Yeah. So and next,
2: you know, I expect him to, I mean, he could be back and it really wouldn't affect the next plans anyway uh, because of, how much cap space the Knicks project to have, but uh, it lines up with the idea as well of the Knicks are still going to be focused on that 2022 class. Uh, That to me is basically what it kind of screams and that we'll give you money next year, even if it's a partial guarantee because why not? But uh, we're going to try to maximize everything we can do for 2022.
1: And for anybody wondering is like, okay, so they wanted to do a solid for Harper by signing into a 10 day and get him more money. Um, i believe they can still once that 10 day expires still use that on somebody else so i don't think the ship has sailed on them potentially adding someone else to their roster and who knows maybe signing that person to a a multi-year deal so we'll we'll see where that comes comes to play okay uh let's do a quick progress report um i feel like we've talked a lot about rj barrett um all year (laughs) so (laughs) hey guess what rj barrett's still really good he had a really good week he continues to have really good weeks he's fantastic i don't know what We don't need to talk about RJ Barrett right now. Um, Emmanuel quickly. I do want to acknowledge was absolutely in a rut um, for a period of time there and has come out of that rut. So um, he, he, that's great to see because sometimes when you hit the rookie wall, you don't always, um, you're not always able to bust through it, but he seems to have done that. And um, that's awesome because they're not going to be able to do what they, I think would like to do in the playoffs without him. So uh, shout out to Emmanuel quickly. Let's talk about Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. How, are you happy were you happy to see Obi Toppin hit some threes yesterday, Jeremy? I
2: wasn't just excited about it. I was thrilled that two of them were corner threes, John.
1: He's hitting corner threes two, now. Two corner threes. Was that the, was that th- does that account for half I'm going to look it up right now. I think I feel like it accounts for half his total on the year. It I'm going uh, to I'll look it up. I'll, it's I, close. I'll get it. It's
2: definitely close. Um but yeah, you know, I, one of the things I was thinking as Obi hit both of those threes was I'm really curious how much of the Knicks' uh, new tracking system, NOAA, how much that has impacted them.
1: He's hit six all year, so that was a okay. third of a his third. Sure. corner threes. Yeah. Um,
2: but you know how how they're basically trying to invest into how the, the launch angle and repetition, and it tells you, for those who maybe aren't as familiar, uh, the Knicks purchased a subscription or are partnering with a team that tracks shooting, so it helps get their form down. Um, because if you continue to get your form down, Practice makes perfect and you start to see success like yesterday or as we're recording this with Obi Toppin. So I'm curious as to if he has gotten into a rhythm where now the stroke feels more comfortable and he can kind of continue with that. But, um, you know, that game or the fact that he had a really awesome post up against the Hornets. um, He's only not playing a ton of minutes, but he is his defense too, he has been active with his hands. Um, His offensive rebounding has been nice to see. Uh, there was like a really nice second jump that he had in one of those games where he just kind of obliterated the competition around him. So he's making those strides. Again, it's just, he just needs time. He's a late bloomer. So I, I think that's just all we have to give him. And he's trending in the right direction.
1: He is trending in the right direction. And it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be very interesting because they're, you know, they're gonna to go to the playoffs at this rate. Um, and you know, we, we we haven't talked about Alfred Payton in this episode, and I quite frankly don't want to talk about Alfred Payton in this episode. I did and I'm done. At once was enough. <laughs> okay. Um I can I give you one I, I was gonna save it for the newsletter, but I'll I'll give it to you now. They are during during this winning streak, so just during the last nine games, they're getting outscored by I've, I don't have it in front of me, but I looked it up before, so I know this is accurate. It's like four point something points per hundred possessions with him on the floor during the winning, if not lost a game and they are getting outscored by f- over four points per hundred possessions with him on the floor and then without him on the floor, they have a scoring margin that's like better than any team in the NBA. So, um, but again, he was, at, he was at that he was at that dinner with uh, yeah. Leon and Wes and Aaron, uh, Mintz. And Aaron Mintz. Aaron mm-hmm. Mintz. Aaron Mintz, Where you are out there, Aaron Mintz, you deserve... fucking just a a medal and a statue in your honor for what you have done for your client because my god (laughs) just starting point guard for a team on a nine-game winning streak give it up for Aaron Mince ladies and gentlemen um okay that's the uh the Mince guarantee the (laughs) Mints
2: or Mints condition either one whichever you want (laughs)
1: That's, that's again, that's, that's, it requires another one. Oh, you. Uh, you just, you just brought the A game. It's just, there's no, there's no C, there's no B, no B plus, no A minus. It's just A, it's just A with Jeremy Cohen. Again,
2: this is what a nine game win streak does to people. Um, oh, but it, just as an offshoot question for you, John, because this <laughs> is something I've been thinking about. Um, yes. And I'm sure we could get into this more later on, but as I see the Knicks uh, percolating for these nine games, the majority of which are not with Alec Burks. Ah. Where are you in terms of moving forward? And again, I, I don't want to talk too much about that because we've got a whole off season. Yeah. Um, no. I want to live in the now, but I, I couldn't help, but just it, it popped into my mind of, you know, if they're able to accomplish this with all of these guys buying in and Alec Burks was there for the beginning of the streak for sure. But how much of a necessity is maybe having him stick around? What does he contribute? And is it to the point where the Knicks, you know, need to retain
1: him? I would love to look, I want to bring back this whole team. I, here's sure. what I want to do. I want to bring back the whole team and I want to replace Alfred Payton with Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry. That's what I want to do. Um, you know, or, or, I mean, if I, I guess if I, if I'm dreaming, then I would love to uh, somehow trade for Jalen Suggs out of the draft, but I don't, I don't think that's happening. Um, and then we just have a dynasty for the next 10 years. <laughs> uh, so, Here's what I, I think is interesting as we're talking about quickly having some good games of late um, have been without Burks. And, and this is, again, another point that was raised on the, the locker room on Saturday where we always get great questions um, is is quickly's kind of reemergence have anything to do with the fact that the ball's in his hands more because Burks isn't in the second unit. Um, and moving forward, if we assume that if we assume a couple things, if we assume that Rose is going to be back, Rose will continue to come off the bench quickly is going to continue to come off the bench um, and quickly is going to get better, significantly better, potentially um, as a shock creator, shock creator, as a facilitator, then do you need Burks as much? Do you, I mean, do you maybe start Bart? Like, I, I, I think it's an interesting issue. Um, I, I don't know. They're feeling, they're feeling so good right now, but I still have the fear moving forward this season that the, when the offense gets in a rut, like that dude is just, he's good for a bucket sometimes, you know, when Randall seems like he's tiring maybe in the fourth quarter and he's just, he's hit, he's still hit more big baskets than anyone on the team this year. So to just say like, yeah, hey, we don't need that guy back. I, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I think it's a great point And it's something to, to think about moving forward. Um And I does hope he, I do hope he gets back soon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um Predictions and then producer corner. Then we're out of here. Um, okay. So we have, Two games, th- three games to predict, or two games? What, are, Andrew? Chime in here. What are we predicting? Andrew's on mute. Oh, Andrew's on mute. One second. Oh, he's 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 giving I'm us giving the play by
3: play. It's very exciting stuff. This
1: is right. I mean, if you could be here for our our Zoom
3: calls, this would be so. Exciting.
2: Hi guys. Hi. Andrew.
3: Hey, Andrew. Hi. Uh, I'll actually defer to Jeremy on this. Do you want to predict all three, or should we just predict two this week?
2: Uh, it really depends on if we are recording after no, the are game or
3: not. Predict all three. Well, no, because then I think next week's game will count toward next week's predictions. All of the games that I put into the rundown for the upcoming games on the schedule for pre- before Sunday. So just, let's predict two. Let's predict two. This basically determines how much how much faith you have in this team. Will they be on an eleven game winning streak when we record?
1: Who next? who goes first?
2: Oh. Oh, it is definitely me, the person who predicted three and oh, John. Yeah. In fact, if you're listening to this and you're standing, I request that you please sit down. Okay, now I'm gonna assume you are seated. If you are physically able to stand, please stand up and give me a round of applause for predicting a 3-0, going against the odds. I'm, I'm not giving you a round of applause. I've given you two rounds of applause today. Uh, You're not getting another one. Well, I mean, the rule of three would indicate that, John, you kind of have to give me the third.
1: I'm, I'll, yeah, I'll give you one right here.
2: All right. That is oh, not geez. a clap, but I will, I will take it, I guess. Um, man, this is hard. Yes, if we're going to do predictions for two of these games. Um, you know what? I'm just going to keep it rolling. I'm going to keep won't. it rolling and say 2-0. and Because yeah. even, if, even if I know that the streak may end. It has, you know, nevertheless, it has persisted. So I'm going to say two and zero, um, and hope for the best uh, that opens the door
1: for you, John. <clears throat> that makes life. Um, that makes life easy for me. Um, I am. I'm going to go one-on-one. There we go. Andrew
3: and I Claudio. St- I stand by my, they're going 11 and three down the stretch and even more. So I, I might change that to 14 and zero. At this point,
1: <laughs> they went into the fucking
2: Don't you play. touch that hoodie. <laughs> Dog. Oh, man. Okay. Bro,
3: I went and bought a new one. Check good. it out. Nick's Film School merch store. Also, we have a bunch of other options. A we have product. a lot of good stuff. Go, Go check you. it out. If we have four days where the Knicks don't play a game and they're on an 11-game winning streak, you better believe we're pushing some stuff. Anyway, (laughs) Producers Corner, ladies and gentlemen, today is not just an off day for the New York Knicks who are being brought up in multiple awards conversations in the NBA, but it is Hollywood's biggest night out in Los Angeles. The 93rd Academy Awards will take place both at Union Station and the Dolby Theater and at multiple satellite locations around the world. Uh, First off... Are you guys excited? Are you Jeremy? Have how many of the movies have you seen that are nominated for best picture? Uh, I've seen most of them. Okay. Yeah. I think you one the other root- day. Are you rooting for one in particular?
2: I really don't care. Um, yeah. Again, I'm for some reason, I'm just not really in it the, uh, this year. I guess. No,
1: is there it, because there's no shape of water this year? I guess
2: that's it. That's exactly it. There is no shape of water and mm-hmm. it's disappointing because I, I like my movies freaky and uh Really, there aren't best picture movies. Do that you, like that.
1: Do you after the Knicks win a, uh, a game now? Do you just turn on Shape of Water and that's how you celebrate?
2: No, I actually don't even watch the games. I just watch Shape you of Water. You just watch Shape of Water. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I kind of,
2: you know, like I'll just follow the game on my phone to figure <laughs> out who won. But usually it interrupts one of like the crucial plot points. So I'm just like when the
1: when the fish man is having having sex
2: with the woman. that is the exact moment where I'm just like, all right, the Knicks can wait. I'll just wait until after the sensuous moment and we'll find out if they want or not afterwards. It's a good decision. Okay. anyway,
3: like we've disagreed on things in the past. This is still your worst take. It's (laughs) a Shape of water beat. Get out. Um, I, I would
2: say for this year. The film I'm rooting for the most would be Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm. I think that was my favorite. I really like Promising Young Woman. Uh, Minari, like I said, was great. So I think those might be my three favorite of the year. Okay. okay. But I don't. Even, is right. Promising Young Woman even nominated for yes best? for it best picture, director, yes.
3: screenplay? Probably going to win for actress.
1: According to according to uh, Bernard, who knows a lot about this stuff, it it is the 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 of the of the of the talk about MPP candidates of the movies that can realistically win best picture. It is it's the longest shot, but it, it has he feels like it has a chance.
3: So it's so. the longest shot of the possible shots. So it's yes, certainly fourth in the Vegas odds. It goes uh Madland a heavy favorite trial. Of Chicago seven uh, Minari and Promising Young Woman. Won't I did
2: love uh trial of Chicago seven and. Mm. <sighs> No, Nomadland, I don't know. I need to give it another. Trial of course, because...
1: you love Trial of Chicago Seven. Wow! Basically, you like if you've Chivalry. been in a wow! Okay. It.
3: Yes. Or I, just, I didn't list it, it in my top three. That's fair. I I'd listen. I I will not. We don't have to relitigate this. No, we don't. So um, didn't relitigate really anything in that movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, the point of this producer's corner is because of an awards theme I came up with. I went looking through all of the awards since the Knicks are currently brought, being brought up in the NBA awards. Uh, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man. The only of these five awards, the only one that the Knicks don't have a current top 10 uh, Vegas odds uh, finalist, which is Defensive Player of the Year. Do you know who has the best odds right now for on the Knicks? If you had to guess.
1: Wait, there is a Nick who has odds for Defensive Player of the Year.
3: Yes, well, I mean, get... so like they're long shots, but do you know who has the the who would be the highest Nick? I'm
1: guessing Noel.
3: No, yeah. it's Mitchell Robinson at 500,000 to one or fifty thousand to one. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, he's tied with Christoph Porzingis, by the way. Should tell you a lot about how the mighty have fallen out there. Yeah. Um, I thought I would go through uh, all of NBA history and see. If you guys knew how many Knicks have actually won these awards, there have been 10 Knicks that have won in any of these categories. So there's been one MVP, one Defensive Player of the Year, uh, two Coaches of the Year, three Rookies of the Year, and three Sixth Men. So.
1: Well, the six men was just a Hold trivia on. question. Yes.
3: So we'll go back and forth. Okay. Uh, it was just a trivia question. It was yes. a
1: trivia question if, uh, the other night. So,
3: uh, all right, then just, name well, let's, we can do it. it. Go fine. back and forth. Jeremy, you okay. go first. You well, go first.
2: For, for the six man, I mean, what'd they say? It was well, uh, name one, name one, name
3: one. And we we'll go back and forth. Oh, I see. All right. Um, Mason. That's correct. 1995, six man
1: of the year. Uh, Starks. Um, I might get the year wrong though. Ninety eight.
3: Ninety seven, but I'll do you. Okay. Okay. Uh J.R. Smith. There you go. 2013.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I'll do MVP uh Willis Reed.
3: Willis Reed, nineteen seventy MVP.
1: Uh defensive players at Ewing. Oh, come uh, on. You don't,
2: are out. Don't
1: throw us off the rails already. Wait, are you being serious? Yes. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. Jeremy's he, what, what he meant that's to say up.
1: was, I want the game to keep going. So what he meant to say was, Wait, we're, we're just
3: ending at, at, at that. No, no, no. Just whoever gets one wrong, you're out. So John. All right. Well, no, wanted I wanted to go. I mean, John certainly
2: has the advantage of living through it, but oh that's God. again, that's why I you it, you live through, through it too. It's year. Tyson Chandler. Oh, that's right. That is, yeah, I did. Actually, I was born in 2013.
3: Okay, Chris.
1: So all right. So so we named three six men MVP. It's two coaches and three rookies. Okay, so I'll go um, I'll go rookie and say
3: uh, Mark Jackson Mark Jackson, 1988 Jeremy, I'll let you back in Oh, thank you
2: (laughs) I don't feel good I don't know if he wants to be back in (laughs) (laughs) Do a coach Uh, of the year I was going to say coach of the year Um, But I'm like, oh crap Um,
3: uh, Pat Riley Pat Riley 1993 coach of the year He was 93 coach of the year Yeah
1: Okay um, first, year okay. I'm gonna.
3: Second year, oh, regardless.
1: What do we I mean? Left? I'll
3: go, I'll say, I'll say, Ewing for rookie of the year, Ewing for rookie of the year, 1986. You have one coach of the year, one rookie. Oh, and that's it. One one coach of the year, one rookie of the year. I,
1: I don't know all either of these off the top of my head, but I have guesses for both. Jeremy, okay. do you know either of these? Well, considering I just.
2: Thought Patrick Ewing had won a Defensive Player of the Year award over Tyson Chandler. Uh, the odds are going to be slimmer for me, but man, I mean, one of them I want to say. Part of me wants to say Strickland. No, but I, but I, no.
1: That's why I'm, not, I'm thinking it's not. Can I ask? A, can I ask a clarifying question? Sure. Is the Rookie of the Year a, a way back in the day guy? Yes. It's, yes. Is it Willis Reed?
3: Yes. Okay. Willis Reed, 1965 Rookie of the Year.
1: And I'm going to guess for Coach of the Year, it's it's got to be either Patino or Yubi Brown.
3: Incorrect. It is Red Holtzman. Red Holzman won a Coach of the Year award? 1970 Coach of the Year. Oh, wow. Okay. I
1: For some reason, I thought it was one of the guys in the 80s. And so I, if like, the
3: Knicks finished the season on a 20-game winning streak... Uh, and all of a sudden, the awards start to turn in their favor. You might see Julius Randle win most improved. Uh, Derek Rose now has the fourth best odds for sixth man of the year. Uh, Manuel quickly, I, I doubt he can get into rookie of the year as a front runner, but he's currently still number four in rookie of the year odds. And then Julius Randle, currently ninth in MVP voting. Whether that matters at the end of the day, he'll probably get some fifth place votes, I would imagine. Uh, it's exciting time for the New York Knicks, especially when it comes to recognition.
1: So, just to put a cap on uh, Jeremy's thought from before, Patrick Ewing finished sixth in Defensive Player of the Year voting in 1988-89, um, and he was second team two other times. I mean, you're not—it's not, it's not uh, that insane. Like, you should know that he never won it, but he—he he was, he was tied for fifth the year before that. And then in one other year, he was he got some votes. i and then we'll we we'll get out of here. Um Oh no, they why don't oh they don't show the voting for that year. That's not okay. Oh wait, no, sorry. No, I'm looking at 1982. I know this is scintillating podcasting here. Um In 1991, 92, he finished. No, I must be looking at the wrong year. Um Hold on, we're gonna get there, guys. Don't worry. Okay, never mind. I can't find it. I'm an idiot. Um, but I
3: remember Jeremy. If I can also contribute to the old man rec- reminisces about the '90s, he just like all NBA because he was in the, played in the same time. Seventh, tied for seventh. Elijah and yeah. Shaq and Robinson, right. Always ended up falling third or fourth. And with the def- with defense, Pat- Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Elijah, all these other defensive studs, and just kept getting overlooked like the oh, yeah. national media has always done with the New York Knicks.
2: Yeah. I thought there was maybe one season where he broke uh, through, but um, I think that my, that's my new shtick. Whenever I get something wrong, it's not that I am wrong about it. It's that I was too young. Like something could have happened three weeks ago and I'd be like, well,
3: I wasn't born then. So <laughs> that's just the way it goes. It's all right. Yep. At least you knew who Gunner was.
1: <laughs> yeah. Here, here, here's the last thing i just cause I'm now, scrolling through basketball you reference. I do think it's
3: hole.
1: no, it's not a rabbit hole. Just very, very, very briefly. Um, so for anybody who didn't hear yesterday after the game, Tibbs um, put, or no, sorry. Yeah. Tibbs put uh, Julius Randall in the same sentence as Patrick Ewing, not as players. He's he was specific. He said, as, as far as work ethic and and um, leadership was also mentioned. Um, Patrick Ewing never finished top three in the MVP voting. He finished fourth, um, three times in 1988, 89, 92, 93, and then 94, 95, which was interesting. Um Did not finish in the top, even in the top four in 93, 94, which is when he took that team to the finals. Interesting enough. I, I don't think it's insane that Julius Randall could finish fourth in the MVP voting this year. Ooh, fourth. Mello finished third. So since, since Willis Reed, the highest ever actually, no, that may be a lie. Cause I think Bernard King may have finished second. I'm not looked that up. but Mello finished third. Ewing finished fourth three times. I think there is a world where after Jokic, after Embiid and after, um, well, no, I guess not because he would have to beat out. He would have to beat out Curry and one, Giannis. he would have to beat out one of Curry, Giannis or Embiid. Can he finish fifth? Can he beat out Luca?
3: I don't think he'll get enough votes.
1: Yeah. He could beat out Dame. Get vo-
3: I think he'll get votes. I don't think he'll get enough votes. to.
1: I don't think, listen, I'm game. just, if they, if they, to your insanity world, Claudio, where they mm-hmm. end the season, whatever, they lose like three more games the rest of the year, or two more games the rest of the year, and they finish running away with the fourth seed, and he continues doing what he's doing.
3: In insanity world, yes. If they finish the season 43 and...
1: And, like, Harden misses, a, like, a yeah. bunch more games. And, like, Kawhi keeps missing games. And, like, all of the – LeBron misses a bunch more games. Like,
3: fifth, I don't – He would ha- It would be fifth, is what i It I'm would be fifth because yeah. he's not being I a think, curry, Giannis you know, or, curry or Giannis or indeed, Embiid, I think, are top four. And just
2: for perspective, I know that I had talked about since the Rose trade. Um, since that date as well, the Warriors have had the 23rd best offense with Stephen Curry. So I, t- just to kind of like think about how good Curry has been, their offense is dog shit and that's including him. So just, you know, I mean, Randall obviously deserves to be again in that conversation, but yeah. what Curry has done, has just been
1: otherworldly. And I can't wait to see them do it together in New York. And <laughs> I
3: was about to say
1: ah! next year is going to be fun. Um, yes. Bernard King did finish second in the MVP voting in 1983, 84, two, uh, the gentleman by the Moses. name is Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Okay. And what one spot, ahead, one spot ahead
3: of Magic Johnson, Magic and Kareem, both Lakers third and fourth that year. That welcome to the eighties. The whole eighties <laughs> like, was the late Los Angeles Lakers invitational.
1: Yeah, but that's pretty crazy. Two, two guys finished in the top four of the MVP voting from the same team.
3: I think back then everybody just assumed we put the Lakers in and then fill out the rest of your ballot. Yeah. I'm All not right. even shitting on it. I'm just saying that's how no, it went.
2: It's great. That's okay. over here. There were fewer teams and, the parody maybe wasn't great so do you know who magic johnson is like we jeremy see now or, or were you not <laughs> born yet uh I, do, I don't know magic johnson actually but imagine julius randall looks
1: up not as good
3: oh the owner of the dodgers jeremy <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> yeah he used to Frank own some movie
1: theater chains as well I think, does he still own those movie theater chains i
2: should I know think, that
3: well post pandemic i don't know yeah. what he's done, he's <laughs> um, a movie yeah. theater chain
1: uh okay this was jeremy anything for you before we get out of here uh I think that's all for this (laughs) week. (laughs) Um, I think we're good. I'm uh, going to go. I hope I hope uh, when you're listening to this promising young woman has has pulled off the upset because I really enjoyed that movie. Um, Andrew, anything before we go?
3: Enjoy the Oscars. I am rooting hard for not that, but for for an interesting show is what I'm saying. Enjoy the, Oscars, t- enjoy the Oscars guys
1: enjoy the Oscars and uh, everybody out there um, thank you for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast we will be back with you another episode um, as always uh, this Wednesday but until then enjoy your week and let's go next